Welcome to series two of the Dear Moving podcast, where we share with you how we're enabling people to get moving. I'm Eve, Strategic Director at Greater Sport, leading, supporting and connecting GM Moving, Greater Manchester's movement for movement. Supported by investment from Sport England, Greater Manchester partners have been taking a whole system, place-based approach to embed physical activity into everything for happier, healthier, more connected communities and active lives for all. In each episode, we share stories of what this looks like in action in each of the 10 boroughs of Greater Manchester. I'm back in Manchester Central Library for today, speaking to Angela Martin and Stacey Partridge from Manchester Active. And Jane Gardner is joining me today as one of my colleagues at Greater Sport and the strategic lead for the GM Local Pilot Network. Manchester is estimated to be home to over half a million people. The latest Active Lives data suggests that 72% of the adult population are now moving for at least 30 minutes a week. Activity levels are lower, however, for children and young people. And over 30% of adults of South Asian, Black and other minority ethnic groups are moving for less than 30 minutes a week. This inactivity increases to over 40% for people in lower socioeconomic groups and over 50% of people over 75. Today we'll hear about the great work that's going on locally to build relationships and trust between people and partners in place to address these patterns and enable active lives for all. So let's dig in and find out why moving matters to local lead Stacey. For me, moving is about the competitive element. I love being challenged through a range of different sports. Uh, mainly football has been kind of the key sport that I've taken up uh, from the age of seven, but then playing a vast amount of sports. Um, recently started playing tennis and since I've had a dog is walking. Uh, they've been kind of the, the key things. And then I'm also trying, they're trying to get me to join a rounders team as well. So. <laughs> Who's trying to get you to join a rounders team? <laughs> One of my friends. She she got injured playing football, and so she's trying to get me to go down and play. But it's flat back, and I used to play round back. So, oh, right. Oh, there you go. Well, well, shout out to your friend who's clearly an activator and getting you to try something else this summer. Well done. And in, anything in particular that you get out of being active? It's a socialising element and creating more friends from it, and got a common interest. And you, Jane. Yeah, probably a mixture. Um, I played netball for a long time, um, probably more for the social elements. Um, we have quite a nice kind of group of friends that have grown from that. Then being outside, like riding my bike, walking, running, just I think it just gives me that little bit of headspace, kind of free time just to get out and work through whatever's going on in my head. What's it look like for you then, Angela? So I've always been um, active at school, love sports, but probably wasn't particularly great at them, and the competitive element isn't for me. But yeah, I learned to swim as a kid. My parents were really big walkers. We walked everywhere. That was like our main mode of, you know, of, of travel. They took us to every park across you know, Manchester and Greater Manchester. Um, so I really got that love of being outdoors. I do a lot of walking, walk daily. Um, Got into kind of gym and fitness in my sort of like late teens and I've pretty much always had some kind of gym membership up until I had children, you know, didn't have the time. Luckily it was like a workplace offer, it was a yoga class, a circuit class, 
and that was just absolutely perfect for me. I could fit it into my day. And I think the other thing about being active for me is quite often it's been my only chance to get my me time. Mm. So yeah, fitness is a big thing for me. I've done a bit of kind of social jogging with friends in between kind of us having kids and things. We sort of regroup and really want to get into cycling um, this year. The kids are kind of getting into cycling now, so it feels like we can start to venture that bit further. It's a life skill for them, isn't it? And giving them confidence to cycle on roads, etc. And hopefully that's something that they'll have as a behaviour as they grow up and, you know, they'll cycle to school, etc. Um, so how old are they? I've got a six-year-old who doesn't like walking and cycling. <laughs> and a ten-year-old who loves walking and cycling. <laughs> so, yeah, complete opposites. We've found scooting with the youngest one is just perfect, you know. Try not to say we're going for a walk, just say we're going out. You can just kind of think of all these ways of kind of getting everybody out. Uh, and actually it benefits me because I can walk faster, so I can walk briskly. Certainly learn, don't you, as a parent, how to uh, design moving in by stealth. It's a, yeah. good, <laughs> it's a good way of bringing yeah. it into your work. Yeah. So getting stuck into your jobs and your role and the Manchester local pilot. So, um, yeah, starting with you, Stacey, can you just tell us a little bit about your role and, um, and what the local pilot looks like in, in Manchester? For me, I'm quite new to the local pilot. I've uh, probably been about six months in, aren't you? Yeah. Um, for me, it's been really, really good to look at them, come in with kind of a new, fresh pair of eyes and have a look at how everything's going, uh, learn about all the different projects that have been happening and looking and challenge people in the way that they've looking at their principles and their approaches to the way that they're doing things and, and build them relationships. So that's been like kind of my key for six, six months is just building them relationships, building that rapport, learning about everything that's happening and going on, not just within the pilot, but within them communities as well to kind of look at that whole system approach and what are the contributing factors to the way things are happening within that community. And you've got a focus, haven't you, in some particular communities and, like, and setting the context. I mean, Manchester's huge and, and <laughs> densely populated you know it's the equivalent isn't it of of often about three different local authorities in one so it's kind of helping people kind of picture you know the size the complexity the diversity of the population the different needs yes so um four but four um areas across uh, manchester one being in the south with which is woodhouse park in withingshaw and we've got newton heath and miles platin in the north and then we've also got ancoats beswick Clayton and Openshaw so we've got quite a big remit across Manchester and we've also got looking at four target audiences across them which is um, children and young people in an out of school setting uh, people who are unemployed or at risk of being unemployed uh, people with a long-term health condition or at risk of getting a long-term health condition and the idea around it is because that could potentially make up with quite a lot of the families who are in the neighbourhoods that we was working in. Great thank you and Angela you've been yeah involved for longer. I'm one of the managers in the health and wellbeing team which is where we sit and lead on walking, cycling and the pilot. So yeah, I came into the role sort of end of 2019. Got a target audience, the place-based working, the target audiences, but then we have a second tier of work, which is around walking, cycling, and that's citywide. And so myself and Laurel, our walking, cycling officer, uh, our roles are really to pull that together and connect things and collaborate uh, with other partners who, who also are working in that area and have that, that agenda. 
So the two, we call them the two tiers of, of the Manchester local pilot. And then Jane, so, you know, your job is kind of about weaving and pulling people together across all the different 10 local pilots, the 10 different districts um, in Greater Manchester and then obviously GM as a whole. So you get to spot the patterns and the similarities and differences. Um, and really to kind of bring people together to share their learning. So obviously it's a completely different approach to how we were working before. Um, and I think when we first started, there was a lot of nervousness around that. We used to be very much um, KPI focused and always, maybe always tell, you know, the good story. Um, and I think something that we have had to get used to within the pilot is, you know, when things don't go as well, that's okay. Um, and I think that's something that we've had to kind of work with all of the locality leads to be comfortable in doing. Um, so we try and, you know, convene that space for people to come together in kind of a supportive network um, for each other. So I think kind of Manchester's really kind of embraced that and kind of come along to the... <laughs> Along to the nervous, um, nervous laughter there <laughs> <laughs> to the forums and kind of input and kind of bring you know to life their examples and I think other localities really feed off that you know and other localities taking that information and thinking how can they put that back in their locality and vice versa so it's really important for everyone to kind of be a, a part of that and kind of feel as one kind of network rather than ten individual. And that's certainly been the beauty when I've come and joined some of the sort of local pilot forum conversations is just you get that sense of it's a safe space for those honest conversations and it's so rich, that storytelling and what comes out then in the learning and, and in the challenges and in the joy that comes when things do work. And that's the, that's the point of this podcast really is how do we amplify that and help more people to see and hear and get a sense of what it's all about and make it real. And we definitely will be digging into some of the challenges. So um, that honesty is about having, you know, being honest about when it doesn't work, sort of warts and all. But before we go there, let's talk about the good stuff. So any kind of particular examples of when it's felt good of things that you're seeing happening and that may be made possible because of the local pilot approach. So when I first came in, um, there was the Heart and Soul um, event and that kind of was celebrating the first phase of the work where they recruited um, community researchers. They'd been out doing um, lots of talking with residents, finding out what would make uh, Woodhouse Park a healthier place to live. And they managed to go go away, have loads of conversations, kind of about over 70 ideas. And then they was able to have a look at them and, and to reduce them down to 26. Yeah, so there was they managed to look at these 26 ideas and they went out into different uh, locations across the community to, to display their their work, their ideas of what they've come up with from their conversations. And then they brought this all together into the celebration event, which is kind of a celebration of their work and inviting local people, local residents. And that was really their time to show off to their friends, family, other residents, what, what they'd achieved. They had you know, an exhibition and a display and photographs and this great artwork. And they were really, really proud on that night so of, of what they'd achieved and the feeling that that gave me when I went there is like this is 
not just any type of event or celebrate the event of what the work that they're doing it really had that feel of you can tell this is all about them residents and really they've been at the heart and focus of everything which goes with the name of the heart and soul project and from being working across across different things in the community it was really refreshing to see and because if you've you've seen the the residents when they first started so what they're doing now we had a event last week and they're up talking to to local partners you asked the could they would they do that 12 months ago they wouldn't have, have been able to do that so there's been a lot of work done in terms of supporting that confidence building and giving them the the tools to be able to to stand up and talk and and be proud about what they're doing and also um, trying to take that kind of ownership of it as well. Fantastic. There was two different ways it did the community engagement, didn't you? Because COVID got in the way. You're right. We tried to start the Heart and Soul project in 2020. It was all kind of prepped, ready to go. Um, And then it just felt like with the pandemic, community engagement was a bit of a challenge and we were having to sort of tweak the sessions on a, it felt like almost on a weekly basis, you know, people had to be socially distanced. We, we, we hired the biggest hall, you know, within um, within the forum to keep people apart. And we bought visors and, you know, hand sanitizer and stuff like that. And um, it was just difficult to kind of keep the momentum going and the engagement with the residents. Some of it then switched to sort of online. But it just, I think people were just distracted because of the, the climate at the time. And it just didn't quite sort of land. And we decided to pause it. And went back in sort of 2021, went out with a much sort of bigger engagement piece, you know, sort of leafleted the area. And it was interesting, we started to get people that wouldn't traditionally engage in a project like that. A couple of them were feeling quite isolated or didn't have particular connections in the local community. Um, Others were looking for things to do. Some came through from um, contact with other partners, so the family centre and other kind of wellbeing services. And we probably engaged with about 25 residents in total, but we've got this core group of eight residents that came to weekly sessions and weekly workshops. Um, and they started to go out and walk the area and discuss the, the, the question, what makes Woodhouse Park a happier and healthier place? And they went out and engaged with, I think, about 150 plus residents at key locations across the ward. And they really, you know, owned it. They really took charge of, you know, they, they went through role-playing that when they were going to be out in public, what they were going to say and what they were going to ask. And engaged with a really wide range of people, from young people to older people, and came back with, yeah, this massive ideas, these 70 plus ideas, which then got condensed because there were lots of similarities. Um, and we held a celebration event in October. And then since then, Stacey's been working with them. They've all got their own sort of personal interests in parts of the 26 ideas that they want to take forward. They're currently working most of them together on creating a walking trail. That was one of the priorities. Initially, when they were out and about in the area, they were sort of saying, there's nowhere nice to walk, you know. Um, it's not pleasant. If you want to go go somewhere nice, you have to leave the area. You have to go out to sort of Cheshire or further afield. And then actually, from exploring the area, they discovered lots of nice places and that opinion changed. And now they've found a route, a figure of eight, that they've created. It takes in a couple of the parks. They've discovered a wood. So um, we had a workshop last week um, and they presented that to other stakeholders uh, who came along. We did a bit more of a, a workshop and a bit of a discussion. 
to see how we're going to take that forward. Mm. But that's very much going to happen in the next couple of months. And they actually want to activate the walk as well. So not just create it and create a map or a digital um, walking offer. They want to take people out on the route and lead walks. They're going to target sort of families and um, mental health. So they've got lots of ideas and we're supporting them to, to pull all that together. Sounds fantastic. I want to go and do this leap of eight now. Um, but what a great example of building that kind of local agency and ownership and voiceover of, of what happens and different tools in their bag from, from maps to wayfinding to walk leaders and yeah, fantastic example. The work that we're supporting with Step Up Manchester as well. Lady called Nicole, who who's kind of doing all that work in Openshaw, Openshaw, Clayton, and Coates and Beswick, and it's kind of what she's brought there is she brought local organisations and part and loads of partners who who work in the area and like create an advisory panel, and then what the support she's enabled to activate for people to apply for funding through her, so she's got some funding that she's able to give out, and then but it's the support that she's been giving them because I found a lot of the issues around is maybe people being able to write and a successful application. Um, she's done a lot of work with all the local people in terms of building their confidence, building their skills to be able to apply for stuff. And it's like there's a lady who really wants to start her own forest school and the support that she's able to give her that, that this woman is now it's, it's ready to kind of go and this, support this woman to kind of make her own ambition. What does that look like in practice? There's been a lot there around kind of building up that confidence you've talked about in both of those examples. In practice, how do you do that? How have you been doing that? What's that look like? So she's been using an organisation and connecting up with them and support people with application and bid writing and things like that and also how and support to maybe become a CIC and things like that. It's it's rather than just saying, here's this person, can you can you help them? It's been really more of a, a partnership, like I've got this person, are you able to come in and support? And it's kind of been like everybody's working together because Nicole's built that relationship up with them in the first place and quite often if you just look to give it to somebody else, did that that person's not got that relationship with them and it's how you connecting them dots i think that's a real big key to everything is is the relationships and that trust and and support that you give to people enables them people come back to you to when they when they do need help they will come back and ask you so building up that trust and those relationships between individuals but also between key partners working together in a place yeah so yeah, i think that's been a really a key success in terms of the relationship building so understand the different contributions that different partners can bring most definitely I think yeah you've just nailed it in life <laughs> <laughs> you're doing it it's easy to say it it's another thing to do that in practice and in a pandemic as well the early days of the pilot slightly before my time there were a number of attempts at engagement um, in the four wards and it's obviously you know engagement's a really significant uh, part of our approach and it's been a really strong three theme throughout the, the work we do and underpins our work and I think um, in across all the wards there's different attempts at engagement that, but didn't quite result in what we were hoping for so it either led to there was a bigger perhaps need for support and resource and we'd expected and we, we couldn't necessarily sort of provide that or they needed more sort of direction I think Kim did a piece herself um, that just resulted in all of this sort of qualitative work and then it was kind of like, what do we do with that now? Um, we engaged with a partner who works with children and young people over summer holidays and 
that resulted in lots of um, qualitative, um, quantitative data, which we kind of wanted the qualitative data. So we sort of tried all these different ways and, and it sort of wasn't quite working and we couldn't quite find our feet with it really. But that, that learning led us to then engage with MAC, the Voluntary Community mm-hmm. Social Enterprise representative in Manchester and start discussing the development of a community engagement programme. So I think without those early days of attempting engagement ourselves, we wouldn't have got to a point where we sort of understood the connectivity with the VCC sector and the need to work with that sector. I was just thinking about the example of working with cycling and working with British Cycling and how you kind of adapted those courses. Yeah, cycling's a good one. There was, um, we were starting to kind of hear, uh, there was a bit of interesting cheating from various people they didn't necessarily know what they wanted to do but they were just interested in cycling and they could see that it would benefit the, the wider community um, so we started having a conversation and it led to a number of things really there was um, one guy who was interested in holding a, a bike library at a mosque um, we recruited five residents to go on the British Cycling Ride Leaders training because people knew they wanted to lead rides locally but the challenge with getting people on the training you know, there was sort of all of these barriers. They didn't have a bike. They didn't know how to cycle. They'd not cycled for a very long time. So working with, um, you know, Laurel and Breath at British Cycling, we just started meeting them in a the park and going for a little bike ride and building confidence. And then that led to kind of linking to FGM to build confidence on roads, etc. So all of these things we were sort of putting into place in order to get a group of people on a training course. We were able to get them through through training and they started leading um, led rides and then there was a, we were also approached around the same time by University of Glasgow and British Cycling they wanted to test the community intervention so again we sort of went into um, Cheetah in December and had an engagement session didn't know if anyone would turn up and we had probably mm-hmm. 25 plus ladies that came through the door many couldn't cycle but they were just really eager to hear more and they, they wanted to learn to ride a bike it was, you know, for some of them, um, it was a bit of a dream. It was like a real thing they wanted to achieve. And that programme, the intervention started in, I think, end of January. It was a nine-week, um, weekly session. And we had a pause for Ramadan for four weeks. And they've just completed their final session on Sunday. Fantastic. And the um, majority have been out on the roads. Everyone's learned to ride bike. And we had a celebration evening on Monday night. There was just so much love in the room, so much like everyone was proud and everyone got a chance to speak. And, you know, it's just amazing to hear the ladies talk about this had been a dream of theirs. And one lady said, you know, initially her son had thought this was just a crazy idea. <laughs> so I just thought it was, you know, silly. And then last weekend he was driving past the park and thought, Oh, I wonder if my mum's in the park cycling. I might go and see what she's, you know, what how she's doing. Brilliant. And he was really proud of her. Mm. And you know, some of the ladies have started going cycling with children and families, and they just don't want this to stop. You know, I think this is very much. It feels like it's just the start. Mm. And equally, the facilitators that have supported the program have asked if they can come back. Can they see how the ladies are doing? They want to support them. You know, just it's just interesting from a, a conversation, an early conversation not quite knowing what you want to do, how we've kind of been able to tap into sort of the offers and services and develop new things and test new things and just and just try things really. You know, that test and learn approach has been really, mm-hmm. really key. Mm-hmm. If, it, if it didn't work, it, it didn't work. We, you know, we've tried it, but people came with us on the 
on the journey, so to speak. Some of the women were um, not sure how they would perceive, be perceived as Muslim women riding a bike. So it's really nice that them, be, them experience it as realising, no, they can. It doesn't matter of your religion. It really shifts cultural norms, doesn't it? about yeah. it being for everybody in a way that works for them I'm sure the listener could hear kind of the joy coming out but yeah watching your face then and you can just see that <laughs> sense of you know the joy it does bring doesn't it when um, when things work and that shift there of influencing other partners and how they're working their processes that are shifting you know silly examples there Stacey of how, how investment flows and how it works um, all really key kind of enablers in how we make this change happen So lots there about a lot of the good stuff that's really working and you start to touch upon some of the things where you'd had to adapt and learn. Um, but I guess to dig into where it's really challenging, what's been really difficult or the biggest challenges you've, you've faced so far? For me, I'd say um, with one of our projects um, called Seeds of Joy in Miles Platin, I think a challenge that we've found is maybe the engagement. Um, so a big thing was like people's perceptions are saying like, or they don't, they don't engage in mouse plot and they don't do this. And when people are saying like, oh, they, they won't turn up to this and, and, you just, and you're just kind of thinking, okay, okay. And what we've kind of been looking at it, I mean, rather than listening to what they're saying in terms of they won't turn up, we've just been kind of thinking, right, what can we do differently to attract this uh, neighbourhood and the engaged residents across in this community and then we've been because we've been having like a gardening session going on every Tuesday one till three and it's taken um, a good two months I would say just to get four community gardeners to be involved in that community garden and be there regularly and, and trying to take that ownership where which now two of them have got their own set of keys to kind of go into the garden whenever they want which is and for us four has been like a, a really big success i'm really interested in your community engagement and how you did it differently so you said you were learning from how the partners had done it before and they're saying like they were engaged like how did you get those four gardeners so one of the ladies she'd always been part of she made me laugh actually because I turned up to a community um, a community event for something else of another project I sat there on the table with her and was doing kind of like a mapping exercise and she just stood up she went there's not even many residents here there's only a few of us and and it just made me laugh to think actually everybody in the room and they was trying to do it for the community and this was about them having the residents involved so from then on I, I thought okay and then what we did we've had the garden open more and she's been going past and kind of seeing the space open and then Olivia who's been doing there she's been doing speaking to her and it's just built her confidence up to kind of go go, I'm always walking past the garden if I just had a key I can go in and it's just built up in time of like things falling into place I think by chance with that person and the other two they came to a community event last year and then they kind of stayed for a little bit longer and each time they came to an event they kind of 
carried on coming and then they realised that the, the gardens over the road from because we did a lot in a, another garden called Holland Street which is further down the road and now this year we've concentrated on another space called the Ridgeway Street Garden and then they live over road facing it and they work full time but they've been coming in and the time's off and the weekends to kind of help maintain that garden and keep on top of it so that's opened over a period of time and them first being involved in the Seeds of Joy last year and then that's kind of then followed on by trying to keep them involved in everything going forward so that's been really key and then the other fourth one is actually a lady from a project from Heart and Soul in Withingshaw she was one of our community researchers there but she's moved to the north Mm. Uh, and so we knew she had been interested in and now we can't keep her away so fantastic and we've been doing a lot of work in terms of how we're linking in with a lot of the partnerships and it's it's almost as if everyone's doing their own thing and that co-work and production and people working in collaboration with each other isn't quite at that point of everyone working together how can we put that as part of our work within the Seeds of Joy and bring people together into it and we're holding, going to be holding like a partner's event to kind of bring people into the same room and kind of talk and kind of ask people but using Seeds of Joy as that kind of anchoring because we've met with them all, spoke with them about the project so we really want to get them into the same room and I think <laughs> that's another thing, people then don't turn up uh, but I know we're talking about the challenges. Um, we held we held our first family friendly um, event, which is about we create little activities where people would go on little little like nature treasure hunts where they had to go and find these cards and answer a question. And we um, had over a hundred people um, come to this. They family. did turn up. They came up. <laughs> but we did a lot of pre work with that. We did door. We went door knocking. We kind of found the time between four and six was a good time. Where just before they was making the tea, old Matt had just sat down to eat it. We managed to go around and we gave them a little voucher and said that they could win certain prizes. You no, know, like they're coming along and refreshments, free refreshments, and everything was free there. And I think that was the first time the community have actually really all came into this one of the the community spaces that they've got the activities that they didn't realise that we was getting them to do were getting them active moving around the garden and the just a really nice day um, for people just to come and see something different and the, the people we did the door knocking and give the vouchers to we had about 70 vouchers given out uh, I think there was about 57 them came back and put them in from the door knocking and the individual tickets that we given out. So it's show, shown to us that the people we did connect with beforehand to promote it and bring them along, that really did actually play a big part. And other people were saying to us, oh, we did some door knocking, some other like local partners, and we tried to give them a plan and um, talk to them, but we weren't interested. Um, so changing those perceptions of... of- yeah, whether people get involved and how to engage and involve people and the mix there of actually going to people yeah. you know, literally knocking on people's doors speaking yeah. to them where they're at and you turning up for them yeah. and, and then to then expect for them to turn up yeah. in other spaces that maybe aren't where they naturally go so. yeah so and like so my obviously my learning from that is like not always listening to what other people say learn it for yourself and ask questions about how they did it and what they did to then maybe how you to do something and so if you can slightly do things a little bit differently to maybe get a different outcome and have you seen that influence of the work then other people's own perception of how they're trying to you know involve people locally 
one lady seeing the space and she was like oh I'd love to really do uh, something for the Jubilee within this space and I think what she didn't realise how short of a turnaround that was but it actually started that thought process is actually they may be able to use this community space to do something and it, hopefully by next year that's maybe something we're aiming to get to is that they see this community space as theirs and they're taking that ownership and they can run their own activities and that would be a real positive for that community due to the it has a lack of um, community venues and spaces to be able to use so if they can start creating positive association with the space then I think that would be a really positive for that community. I love the Seeds of Joy name as well because it sounds exactly like what you're doing, yeah. really. And Fantastic. these are the names that the, the community Fantastic. researchers have come up with. So like, like, this is the, we call this the co-creation team. So last, last year we had the, uh, a group of three um, local gardeners and they made up the co-creation team and they did all the support with the planning, the, the support with the events and activities. And then this year we've made a um, Seeds of Joy kind of a sub group and it's made up of about 14 local residents then as well and then they come and be part of it so like for example when we did the event they kind of did like an arts and crafts stall and they've been invited to be like kind of help design what these events look like and be part of them and so then now we create this subgroup and then we're going to be looking to because we have to think carefully about not not bringing loads of people in and ruining the co-creation group but we are subtly going to be bringing one or two more into it to kind of build a bigger picture and and, then bigger group and then that's really important because it it's felt like there's a very small number of residents who are managing and maintaining some quite small kind of green spaces community gardens and one of the aims is to, to connect that together so they can build that support network and build kind of resilience and, and upskill the residents and, and also create, there's another kind of walking theme to that as well, you know, that um, there, there are these great assets that people are looking after and they're, they're lovely and how can we encourage people to come out, come out of the houses and start to go and explore these community spaces and link them together so that naturally creates a, a place people can go and walk to and from. That's our July event. So we've got five local community gardens that they're going to walk to all these different gardens and the gardens are going to get to show off and show where different spaces and the work that they're doing. And uh, yeah, and yeah, so that's going to be our focus of one that the boot walk into the different gardens and seeing it, but also we do see gardening as well as getting people moving and getting people active around the spaces. So, such great examples of how people often don't realize some of the assets they've got in their own neighborhood. And you know, we saw that during COVID, didn't we? People suddenly discovered what gems they've got, you know, on their doorstep and how we can amplify that and create that pride of place. Um, and I guess final questions. So we started off at the beginning, Jane, and you were talking about the importance of shifting kind of metrics and measures of success. So, and you've talked a lot about sense of how it feels. So I'm just wondering any key learning around how you'll know that you are making progress if we're not using some of those traditional counts of bums in seats. Utilising the um, the residents who, who the one if they're on the co-production team or they're on the community research team and gathering their stories and their journey. So from when they started to what they're doing now, uh, I think that would be a good measure to then get their perspective on things, I think that would give people a good insight into into the projects and how things have worked mm-hmm. because each of them will have their own story to tell and they'll all benefit in slightly different ways and to, to what others have. 
brilliant we'll bring on more storytelling and more feedback and thank you it's been an absolute pleasure so thank you very much um to all of you and i look forward to hearing what's next and seeing it and feeling it <laughs> and um yeah enjoy the rest of your day thank Take you care. Bye. thanks for listening to this gm moving podcast episode we've heard how moving matters to everybody and how we can all play a role to design moving back into everyday life Now, we'd love to hear how you keep moving and the ways you are supporting others to live an active life. You can contact us on our socials, we're on Facebook and Twitter. Just search Greater Sport and don't forget the hashtag DMMovingInAction. Please do share this episode with people and organisations who will find it useful. And join the movement for movement. A big thank you to everyone who's investing in this work and playing their part to test, to learn and to make this happen. This series is a Mike Media production.